Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 3 to away win at Luton Town in the Premier League on Saturday. Of course, everyone's most likely hearing this on the Monday or Tuesday. So hopefully everyone is having an early start to their week in a fantastic manner. Regardless of that, we do have Mr. Tom Nightingale with me as well as Mr. Coach Seb Sebastian Bacon to give his insight knowledge into all things football tactics. But anyways, let's start with Seb on this one since I put him on such a high pedestal. Seb, how's it going for you? <laughs> this is not going to stick. Um, I'm I'm very good, thank you. It's always nice to come on after three points, which which seems to be more of a reoccurring theme in recent weeks. Um, I think it was us three who were talking after our last defeat and it seemed seemed all doom and gloom at the time. But, you know, much higher spirits now, uh, 11 games to go. And, you know, we really are heading towards that final hurdle now and we're in the driving seat at this point. Absolutely. And Tom, how's it going for you? Yeah, I'm insane. Like, it's hard to be too disappointed, isn't it? Like, obviously, we'll get into the game a little bit. Um, I'm not surprised that it was a game that we struggled to control from minute one to minute 90, because, like, that's just, that's Luton's MO, isn't it, at Kenilworth Road? Um, but, I mean, to to win it like that last minute, two substitutes combining, like, the confidence wave. I know that we the second half was, wasn't great by anyone's standards, but all's well that ends well. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, they're a 3-2 away win at Kenilworth Road for Villa on Saturday. That makes it three wins on the bounce. I believe that's four undefeated um, on the road, three wins and a draw. I guess if you want to add the the, the fifth one being a loss to United, which was very (laughs) annoying. We don't have to go over that one from all the way back then. But of course, that's a possible 10 out of 15 of the last five on the road. Things are ticking along very nicely on the points category. Of course, there's a little bit of issue when it comes to conceding goals, and we'll get to that because there has been a little bit of a theme of being too close for comfort, and this was probably the perfect definition of that. But regardless, of course, Ollie Watkins got a a double on the day in the 24th and 38th minutes. Leon Bailey again getting another assist, probably the best FPL asset I've ever bought this season. Jesus Christ, that was the best pickup, and I'm going to pretend I was the only one that picked up on that that early on. Dougie Louise getting the assist on Ollie Watkins' second. Of course, that man, Luca Dean, getting the winner in the 89th minute by a wonderfully taken Diaby cross. And of course, Luton had two uh, Chong scoring in the 66th minute. Of course, Carlton Moore scoring in the 72nd. I think a lot of people had a lot of things to say about Luton Town's first goal scorer, at least they saw on Twitter. But anyways, we won't throw any shade that way or his former allegiances to the uh, yeah that other side in Birmingham. But regardless of that, and first and foremost, I also should mention if you are listening to this and you have gotten this far, well, thank you because we've just started this podcast. So it's good to have some support. But secondly, of course, 
do subscribe if you haven't already on Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts. It just makes it easier for others to find us. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a review as well. Tom, I'll, I'll come to you first and we'll start with the negative and just get that one out of the way because I think there's far more positives than negatives. I mean, this has probably been a theme for the last little while, but what is going on with defending set pieces? Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the main concern, isn't it? Like, I don't know. I said I sort of uh, said last time that you know I think um, we've been very inventive. I mean, it's died off a little bit actually in recent weeks, but we were really inventive earlier in the season with attacking set pieces, like Austin McPhee working his magic, cooking up some special recipes on the training ground. But I don't know what defending them is not great. What I will say is I thought that Alf- Alfie Dowerty's uh, delivery for Lu- deliveries for Luton were exceptional. Like that that. That lad has got serious ability from dead ball positions. I do not think he will be at Luton Town for very long. No offense, Hatters, if anyone's listening. Um, but I mean, it is like it is a bit of a concern, especially going into big, big fixtures coming up. Um, but you know, will that Unai and Austin McPhee and everybody will be aware of that? Um, it's something to work on. It's you know, it's something to fix, obviously. But I mean, I just. In the in my intro, I feel yeah, you know, I wasn't you know, I to be honest with you, I am riding really high about Villa right now. Like the set piece, the set piece goals being conceded is a shame. But I just like this Villa team, man. Every other season in recent memory, we'd have probably lost that game, let alone won it from the way that the second half unfolded. Um the you know, the cat like, okay, like there are things to improve on because it's football, there's always things to improve on, but like the character and the spirit in this team is just phenomenal. Um, Ollie Watkins is the best striker in England at the moment. And it's just, what a time. You know what I mean? Like we're 12 points clear. I mean, 11 points clear of Man United in sixth, but our goal difference is uh, plus 22 and theirs is minus two. So I think we're safe on that score. So uh, we can call that a 12 point lead. Like that is, that's fucking mental, honestly, for Villa fans to say at this point in the season. So if the worst thing that's going on at the moment is we need to iron out some kinks with defending set pieces, then uh, I'm all good. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, Seb, you're the you're the tactics master on this podcast. I'm, I'm only joking. I want to expect to throw you under the bus on that one. I just wanted to see your reaction, at least to what I can see and others can't. So maybe that's my little sick piece of enjoyment. But I mean, when you do sit back and you look at it, I guess there's probably two ways to look at it. One, it is a concern. But two, Villa are also playing so well offensively that they're almost able to withstand that and to advance from that, of course, with this win being a perfect example. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that um, it's nothing to worry about because we're winning. Um, It needs addressing to the fact the fact that it happened twice within quite a short space of time as well. um, it, It is worrying and there are signs that it's not improving because this has been something we've been talking about for a few weeks. Um, but I, I don't really have anything to say other than that McPhee and Emery need to sit down as well as the rest of the coaching staff and figure out what's going on, why it's going wrong. Uh, an example I'd go back to the other week was when we played, um, God, who was it? I can't remember who we played at home. I think it was Newcastle when we lost. Was it Newcastle? Diego Carlos was marking someone, was was zonally marking, sorry, and Kamara was marking our oppos- the opposition's tallest player. And, yeah, I remember and that. Maguire, I remember. It was Maguire against United. Yes, sorry. it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Just come back to me. So Kamara was marking Maguire, 
and Carlos was was almost stood zonally marking and you know Maguire won every single header that day but but nothing changed so you know the the signs were there and we're not making the the changes necessary at times so yeah it's it's definitely something that needs to be addressed but on the on the brighter side like like Tom mentioned I need to uh, give Ollie Watkins a sorry because I've only just added him into my FPL. Um, Oh my God, Seb. The only problem was I didn't want to jinx it. How many times have I added a Villa player in and then they've gone and got injured or just have gone on a really poor run? But I thought, you know what? He's that good that even I can't jinx him at this point. So we went in, got me some crucial points and yeah, happy days. I'm going to come to... I'm going to come to Seb's defense about the Watkins thing because I put him in about three weeks ago for the, <laughs> for the exact same reason. I, you know, I don't know why I thought that my fantasy Premier League team was going to be the thing that jinxes Ollie Watkins, but you come so far without him and then you're scared to scared to do it. But I mean, so he's... Also, also, how many times have we sat here as, as Villa fans where we've been on the end of a last minute goal? You know, we've, we've played really well. We've managed to get ourselves back in the game and then we've conceded in the last minute. Whereas... The tide's sort of turning now where we we weren't good in that second half. Um, you know, I, I was sat there going, oh, we're going to lose this now. Because, again, how many times have we given up a two-goal lead and then gone on to lose and, yeah. and completely capitulated? Um, a telltale sign for me was as soon as the second goal went in, the camera pans to Emery. And he's just telling the players to calm down. That's all he's yeah. doing. He's just telling them, relax, calm down. You know, play your game. I, it, and I, I think that that exuberates onto the rest of the players to be honest yeah I mean the thing is that, that it's true because apart from I know we went through a bit of a by the, our, our lofty standards this season we went through a bit of a rough patch earlier this winter but I mean apart from the apart from the, the that that gutting McTominay winner at Villa Park I can't really remember a recent example where we've been sucker punched by a late goal like we're doing, I feel like we we've done our fair share. Well, if anything, more than our fair share of sucker punching opponents this year. It's brilliant, um, and it's that it's that resilience and fighting spirit. Like you're right, Seb. It's just like I was watching it. I as well. I was sort of in two minds. Like uh, the, the 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 PTSD Villa fan side of me thought, yeah, fuck this. Yeah, we're gonna lose this game. It's gonna be horrible. It's gonna be one of those. It's gonna be like Wolves at Villa Park. You know, it's gonna be like all the times it seems like it's happened. But there is just something. There is something different about this Villa team this year. Um, it's really hard to put your finger on what it is other than sheer belief and force of will. Um, but it's it's getting to a point for me now. We've got a big, big like 10 days ahead, obviously with the Ajax two legs and with Spurs. Big game still to come. We're definitely not there yet. But it's getting to a point for me now where I feel like I'm seeing the signs in this Villa team that this, you know, can be a special season one way or another you know it can end up really really specially i think do either of you think there's any concerns in terms of i shouldn't say game management but i'm going to anyways because that's the only thing i can think of and the reason i ask that of course because i mean you look at the first half compared to the second you look at the end of the first half versus the start against forest there's probably a few more examples as of late as well do you think that's just part of two ball, for example, two teams at the bottom, just trying to, at that point, they have to go for it, getting something and being close. Do you think there's more to that, Seb? Or where do you kind of sit with it? I'm not sure. It's a, it's a difficult one. Um, obviously, it happened against United. It happened yesterday. Both um, times against United. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, 
as well as you know the threat against Forest was was there and it was it was really prominent. Um, I think Watkins mentioned it in the in the comp in the um, press after the game, didn't he? He said that you know it's it's happened a few times, so we need to we need to become a bit more stable at game management. But again, it's 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 something that can be worked on, and it's it's an easy fix. You know, we're not sitting here going, you know we've got a load of problems, you know, I don't know how to fix them. We don't know where they're going to come from. You know, these, the set pieces, the, the seeing out games, they're, they're minor details and then we will be right on top of them. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think as well. Like, um, it's obviously slightly concerning. Like I did, I did, I thought we managed the second half really, really badly. Um, to be quite honest, like at, at Luton, um, I'm just, you know, you can, you can overlook it because of the way it ended. But Seb's right what he said earlier about like it doesn't it shouldn't let you get us get off scot free from your um from your errors just because you ended up winning the game. Um but I do think that the you know the United one at home was a real sucker punch. I do think in recent weeks we've been much, much better again. I think in recent weeks we've been way better at wrestling control of games again because we'd lost that for like a month or so. Um, and yesterday, the second half at Luton was the first example in a while for me where I looked at us and I was like, oh, we're, you know, we're in danger of chucking this away. Um, it happens less and less often, um, you know, I think, which is encouraging. And like Seb said, it's just ironing out kinks, I think, really. Yeah, it's for me, it kind of goes both ways. I mean, you do sit back and you look at it and I can I can see the concern and the fact of some people think maybe that's quote-unquote, some of the old Villa. Maybe you could also say as well, this isn't the complete... I mean, I mean, I think we all know this isn't the complete Emery side that I expect to probably see in the next two years, to be honest. I feel like there's more evolution to come within personnel and a few other things. But, I mean, when you're playing a high line, and we can throw the injury excuse in there if we really want to as well, because we're not playing a fully foot squad. But, I mean, Luton were, weren't either, and of course... Uh, they had a, a decent list in terms of impact players for them. But when you sit back and you look at it, you're just going to have those moments throughout the season. I mean, look at Luton against Arsenal, Liverpool, I think even Spurs. If I think off the top of my head this season, they've run a lot of teams mm. in the top half, very well, even in the top six, very, very close. And they've come up short every single time. And I was speaking to someone yesterday, and I, I just kind of said as soon as Luton scored their first goal, like, I just had that feeling they're going to have that 20, 25 minute period, which it feels like they have every single game. And then they're going to start to run out of gas. They got the two goals and then they ran out of gas. And you'd probably say Villa were a little bit fortunate to get that third. And I know we've already kind of mentioned this, but it is the difference between Villa a few seasons ago and Villa now in terms of the evolution, getting that late winner. We're not the team. I mean, look at the, I, I always think back to when, who, who was it? Uh, the first season back, uh, the the center back there against was it took the ball. Son took the ball off of him, and he could have just moved it on because he. You're on angles. Yes, yeah, it was angles. angles. I think of that. I think when we ran Liverpool very close as well in that one game. I mean, there's so many um, examples in that first season, and that's kind of where I feel Luton are, and it just kind of shows that through the evolution of every single season and the ups and the downs and the forward progress and kind of going back that. In terms of Villa's progress, you're just going to have those games. No team's perfect. I mean, even look at City. Of course, we're recording on this Sunday. They were down 1-0 to United, and I think a lot of people are probably stunned to that. Of course, they won 3-1, but it's coming through those difficult moments. Nothing's easy in this league. But 
just to take a moment, let's go over to Super Ollie Watkins, of course, 16 league goals on the season. I think 10 assists as well. I mean, second in the Premier League goal scoring charts. Tom, do, do we have a potential golden boot winner on our hands this season, or is the cyborg just going to take it? Uh, I, what a ridiculous question for a Villa fan to ask, Sean. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I do. I, I I think that might be a bridge too far, and also like believe. Come on. Yeah, but I'm not sure. This is gonna sound. You know, I love Ali Watkins. I'm not really sure how much I give a shit whether he wins the Premier League Golden Boot. Do you know what I mean? Why? What, what I care about is what his goals do for us. And I have to say, um, do you see that question that's going around on Villa on Villa Twitter re- recently? about i can't remember if it was a straight up comparison but the question was basically who do you think was better like ollie watkins or christian benteke one of those sort of kind of pointless comparison questions that people ask you know i think i'm at a point now like benteke was unplayable on his day as a striker but in terms of all-round center forward play i think the current iteration of ollie watkins is the best striker i've ever seen at villa um I'm I'm about a year I'm about a year two thousand Villa fan, so what's that twenty four years or whatever? Um, he's just uh, at the moment he's phenomenal to be honest. Um, there's this sort of trope now that Villa fans are trotting trotting out saying I wouldn't swap him for anyone. Um, you know I saw I saw Erling Haaland play today again in the, in the Manchester derby. Um, and he's, you know, he's a robot, scores a ton of goals. He's obviously quality. It's ridiculous, you know. But... His goal was a gift, though. <laughs> like, but, but at the moment, for everything that Watkins brings, and it's the fact that we, you know, ever since we said to Danny Ings, you can leave, Ollie Watkins is our main man. The whole way that we play as a team and our whole ethos as a team is geared towards Watkins being the attacking focal point, like from his pressing to his hold-up play to his goal-scoring instincts. Uh, um, I haven't really seen a season like it from a Villa striker in a long time, and it's the for me it's the assists. I think as mu- at least as much as the goals that I'm you know I'm really pleased about. And I think Villa fans should be really pleased about because he's he's just the perfect attacking focal point at the moment. Like the way he took that second goal, it's a shame that VAR cut it off, and then at least it gave us gave all the fans in the ground a chance to celebrate twice. But um, the way he took that second goal, touch and finish, uh, it's just it's it's confidence, it's instinct, you know. Yeah, he's I can't speak highly enough of him at the moment. Um, and when you've got a striker like that who touch wood seems to be very resilient, fitness wise. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into that because we've already talked about jinxing Ollie Watkins <laughs> on this chat. Um, but considering you know that side of his game as well. Uh, uh, you know, I, I wonder how much he can achieve, to be honest. Like, there are 11 games left in the Premier League this season. Hopefully, there are a bunch more in Europe. God knows what his tallies can be by the end of the season if he keeps this up. Who's our top Premier League goal scorer of all time in terms of in one season? Is it Ben Teke with 19? Um, yeah, yeah. I think so, in 2012, 2013. Ooh, I, I that's what I'm thinking. If if someone has a list, I, I'm pretty sure if I'm thinking, and then it'd probably, like, maybe Dwight York would be after that. I want to throw in there. But I mean, even just throwing those names out there, the fact that Watkins is on 16 and he still has 11 Premier League games, he's going to beat it. I don't care what anyone says. They could say he could go on a, a massive um, non-goal scoring streak and just go through a rut. But I, I honestly can't see it. 
the best thing I can say, it's funny, of course, doing a podcast for how many seasons we've done it now is hindsight's a very funny thing because I feel like we had this conversation probably even last season, definitely the season before where everyone always appreciated Ollie Watkins to an extent, but we all thought he just didn't have that quick finish, the that kind of intuition to take on something like that second goal. Well, he's found it under Unai Emery, hasn't he said? That second goal might be my all-time favourite Ollie Watkins goal ever. Just the way he brings it down. Like, this is this is where he's on the same wavelength as Douglas Luiz because they both take it quickly. He makes sure to time the run. He makes sure to stay on side. The first touch is as good as you can get it. You know, plucking it out the floor, making sure to still keep it within his stride on his stronger foot whilst also making the angle so difficult for the keeper to cover. And then to put it away... You know, in off the post, right in the corner, perfection. I, I I don't really know what else to say. Well, I did find a couple of interesting stats, and of course, it's from Astavilla Stato over on X slash Twitter, whatever it'll be called next week. And I thought it was interesting in terms of goal contributions, um, in terms of a partnership between two players. So the leader for Villas, Dwight York, and for Savo Milosevic in the 95-96 season with five. The next, of course, is Ollie Watkins with Jack Grealish in the 2020-2021 season. Next up, this season, of course, on four to match them with 11 games left. And there's definitely going to be more. So they'll probably be the leaders in this one is Ollie Watkins and Leon Bailey. And the reason I bring that up, and I thought this was an interesting stat as well, because there's only three players in the Premier League this season that have eight plus goals and eight plus assists in the competition. Ollie Watkins, of course, has 16 with 10 assists. Leon Bailey has eight goals and eight assists. And of course, Mo Salah is in the middle with 15 goals and nine assists. I mean, Tom, even for just a minute, I mean, we've talked about Leon Bailey individually. We've talked about Ollie Watkins individually, but they might just be one of the best combinations in the Premier League this season. Like, I mean, when did we ever thought we would say that? <laughs> I know it's nuts, isn't it? We like we've we've we have really um Emery and, and his staff have really, really unlocked something. Like I didn't think I remember watching Watkins and Grealish um the well, the COVID year, you know, the Liverpool 7-2 year, um, and thinking that that combination of creative midfielder and striker is what every top quality team develops right that's what every every team every top quality team has um whether it's a duo or like a trio they have these players who are fully in sync um with one another in attack and i thought that watkins and grealish one was as good as you know as good as it could get really for villa but i mean this the the the, the bailey watkins combination has been yeah i mean it's been fantastic it's like going back to what said i just got to go because seb said about the second goal watkins second goal is one of maybe his favorite watkins goal ever Watching it in real time, my my brain shouted to me like just after he scored that Thierry Omri, because that like that first touch with the with the left foot, weaker left foot, and the instant finish with the right foot opening his body up like that, like that's genuinely that is something that only the top I don't know I don't know what number you want to put on it the top one percent whatever it is of strikers in the world can score goals like that. It needs such a mixture of. Um, you know, you need to be two-footed. You need to be instinctual as a striker. You need to be unerring in your finish. Like, he's just... to Watkins' development, because you're right, Cole. Like, there was a while... I've, you know, we've I think we've always been big fans of Ollie Watkins on this podcast, but I do distinctly remember having debates, us having debates a couple of years ago, 
go about whether Ollie Watkins should start up front or Danny Ings should, if only one of them could. And now that feels ridiculous. Do you know what, what I mean? do we know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's testament to, you know, Watkins, clearly Watkins has always had that in him. But I know that we wouldn't be, we're not alone as Villa fans by, you know, by admitting that I, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure what Watkins could hit this level. I really wasn't because the level he's at now, Mark, you know, let's make no mistake about it, is absolutely elite. And I'm not talking Premier League elite level. I'm talking Europe. You know, I'm, he he is one of the elite strikers in football right now. Um, and you can say, you know, like, so his combination with his, going back to his combination with Leon Bailey, like, it's just that fantastic. You know, it's been the driving force for us. I still find the fact that Watkins has found that level of consistency. I'm still not sure. Like Bailey's output is fantastic. Um, but the fact seeing like seeing like Ollie Watkins turn into Mr. Reliable has been one of the most like seismic changes, I think, at Villa this Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, because I remember, and Tom, I, I definitely know you and me at least had this conversation. I probably had this conversation collectively with everyone that's a part of this podcast. But I remember at one point in terms of Leon Bailey's form in previous seasons where we just thought, like, whatever Villa paid for him, you're never even going to get, like, an inch of that back. But it's mental when you think about it. And, then, of course, there's, there's no proof in this, but based on performance levels across the board, the valuation of it almost every player aside from maybe a select few that of course we're probably trying to shift on i.e maybe like a Callum chambers or something like that the value has definitely gone up and that's put villa in such a good position heading into this summer regardless if that means we lose a couple of players or whatever um, of course that'll all depend on where villa finish but i did find an actual list in terms of top Premier league scores in a single season so it was Benteke in 2012 2013 with 19 then it was Dwight York in the 95-96 and 96-97 season. Both times, 17 goals each. So that'll be, I guess, Ollie Watkins trying to break that for two seasons in a row. Let's see if he can do it. I honestly think at this rate, under Unai Emery, he could. Uh, Juan Pablo Angel did it with 16 goals in the 03-04 season. So, of course, next up it is Ollie Watkins. And I'm sure he will beat that because he's already tied with 11 games left to go. Um this is probably one player we don't bring up individually, but I do want to talk about him because he did get the match-winning goal, and it is that man, Luca Dean. I mean, Seb, the fact that we can have, and I, and I tweeted this out yesterday on my personal account, the fact that we can bring off someone like Luca Dean off the bench as a substitute 
it's one hell of a privilege, isn't it? Even though a lot of people in the past have kind of said, oh, okay, maybe shift them off higher or whatever. Maybe that does happen in the summer. Who knows? But I mean, we are so privileged in that fact because when have we ever had depth? <laughs> Seriously? I, I was sat here begging and begging and begging in the summer not to get rid of him. I, I didn't see the point at all. You know, he is a good Premier League player. And if he is happy to play a role where that's, he doesn't start every game, but, you know, he has that impact, whether that be in Europe, whether that be what we saw the other day coming off and, and getting that vital winner, then having someone like that within the squad is it, never, ever going to be a negative thing, ever. And Emery's managed to get majority of players that are on the fringes that don't start every week. Leon Bailey, a great example of this, by the way, before he was starting every game, before he was on fire, you know, we used to see a Bailey that might be head down, that might be sulking, that might not really be taking part in the warm-ups at half-time when he was on the bench, you know, always felt like he had a grudge that he wasn't starting. Now, the reason that he's at the level he is and the reason that he's starting games is because he came off the bench and he took the chance and he grabbed it with both hands and he he looked as though he was more than happy to play the role. He understands that he's not going to start every week like Luca Dean, but having these players within your squad is the difference between winning a cup and not winning a cup or making top four and not making top four, being able to call upon these players in, in different moments. You know, it might be Zaniolo next week. Who knows? It might be Morgan Rogers. But having these players that you can call upon that will make an impact is is absolutely vital. That happiness, that happiness aspect is like that's such a good point, Seb. Because I was trying to, you know, I was trying earlier. I was trying to work out how to sort of describe, you know, the feeling that this Villa team are giving me. Like there's just something about them that feels like you can create something special. And I think actually Seb's just kind of hit it on the head pretty squarely there. It's like it's like the the buy-in factor. Like every, it seems like pretty much every single player in this Villa squad knows that they are part of something, you know, a, a, a greater whole and something that, uh, you know, a team that, a collective that have the potential to do something really special. Another great example of it, like you're right about Luca Dean, you're right about Leon Bailey as well. I thought another great example of it from this weekend's game was Musa Diaby. Because not only did he put in that absolutely sensational last minute assist to win the game, but the way he celebrated when we scored, I don't know if like uh, I was, his celebration, like he turns away, like fist pump into the bench, like, and you can tell, like, obviously it's a good individual moment for him because he set up a late winner, but you just feel like it's about so much more than that. It's about there are these players who, like Seb said, you might not be starting every week. And obviously, like players are disappointed not to start every week. You want players to be disappointed that they're not starting every week, because otherwise, what are we here for, you know? But you get the feeling that even our substitutes, even our fringe players know that they're going to get moments to come in and shine. And whether or not things go perfectly well in the game for them individually, this team is doing something right now, you know? And to be part of that, I think a factor that's easy to overlook is the morale factor and the confidence and the, you know, the momentum of being part of something like this Villa, this Villa season. It's just, it's fantastic to watch. And it's like, everything is really, it's testament to Unai Emery and the staff for fostering and and maintaining that kind of environment and that kind of culture at the club. 100%. And of course, to quote Luca Dean, of course, he added another one 
um, to his goal scoring tally. Of course, it's only two goals this season. First in the Premier League, of course, the other one coming in the Conference League group stage. He has two goals and five assists on the season. I mean, in terms of numbers, I'd have to look back probably historically. I can think of a, a couple seasons at Everton. I think he had like seven or eight assists in the season. To be honest, at this point, I could see him probably surpassing that depending on game time. But with Conference League and Premier League still left to play, who knows what could happen. I can see that definitely being broken. It, it is nice to see as well that, for one, I mean, the depth thing. But you you guys are right. It's that morale, that togetherness. It's putting an arm around someone it's not just the fact that okay well you know what you have one starter and then someone that has to be an up-and-comer or not as good you can have two players that are arguably equally as good as each other they just need to buy into that ethos that system everything that goes around the club and i mean def definitely both have now to move away from the game of course we won't have a preview pre-ix on thursday so i did want to just bring that up for just a moment because of course Villa do play Ajax in the first leg of the round of 16 tie in the Europa Conference League I did say it correctly this time so good on me for that of course that kickoff should be I think it's around 545 UK which would be around 1245 here in uh, Eastern Canada so that would be applicable to me and Tom and to any other uh, Eastern Canadians um, yeah I'm not going to say every time zone because I don't know where half our listeners are half the time but regardless of that just looking through Ajax's form and I, I thought it was an interesting one and Seba I'll come to this to you because of course Ajax did win today they beat Utrecht in the league but I was looking at it that's their first win in the league since January 27th I mean they are still four points back of even a conference league uh, spot for next season it's definitely not going well I'm not going to ask of you to give me any input into Ajax of course because let's be honest we don't know much in terms of Ajax uh, aside from probably Jordan Henderson and Chuba Akpom maybe one or two others maybe unless you're a, a big football manager guy or something like that but I mean when you look at this Ajax side compared to a few seasons ago you put it up against this current Villa side with the winning form, the mentality within the squad, the flexibility. I mean, not to, I guess, put the cart ahead of the horse per se, but you'd have to favor Villa in this tie, wouldn't you? Yeah, 100%. I think you mentioned it really well. You look at the squads, but most importantly, you look at the form. I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't... This could potentially be a tie where, you know, not to use a cliche, but form goes out the window. They'll they'll want to prioritise this with, it, with with how things are going in the league. And, you know, they will see this as the big tie that they could have got um, a bit a bit like we did. You know, it is, it is two giants coming together in this competition. Um, so I think it'll be a really close game. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be easy for Villa at all. Um, I might even not be too unhappy with the draw on Thursday, um, to be honest be able to take it back to Villa Park. You know, we're in that circumstance where we've got the upper hand being able to go to Villa Park for the second leg, which I think is really important. Um, but yeah, all in all, you you mentioned it really well. You look at both squads, you look at the form and, you know, you look at the betting odds, you know, it's it swings highly in, in Villa's favour, but I, I don't think it's going to be a walkover or an easy game at all. No, I don't think so either. Tom, I'll spin it to you slightly different. We've seen Villa in 
what we would figure vital moments. I can think of the FA Cup final against Arsenal probably one of the bigger ones. Of course, we can think of the playoff final um, against Fulham that didn't went well, of course, and then the following season against Derby where it did. But we've seen this Villa side numerous times in big situations where it's gotten to them, of course. The first Conference League game against Warsaw, um, the Mayo Masters of Europe, um, and every other condiment's friends, of course. But, I mean... This is probably the perfect example of going to Ajax away in the Netherlands and just handling that moment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be really, really difficult. We said we said before, you know, we recorded before the draw, um, and I said, you know, I looked down that list of teams who are left in the Europa Conference League draw, and I see, you know, nasty place to go, nasty place to go, nasty place to go. But I mean, Ajax, Ajax away, um, yeah, I mean that's tricky. That's tricky. Whatever, whatever form Ajax are in. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with Seb, like in terms of form going out the window a little bit. It's 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 different, isn't it? You know, it's not like it's not like another league game. Um, it is going to have that kind of one, even though it's two legged tie, it's going to have that kind of one off feel. But I genuinely think that you know it'd be different if we lost four nil in the first leg. But I think as long as we are. As long as we are 100% in the tie, like I, I agree with like we're, we're favorites and I would like to think that we'd go there and win. Um, I guess what I'm, what I'm sort of, I'm trying to get out ahead of mentally myself is that if we don't win, even if we lose in that first leg, that's far from disastrous. I think with this Villa team, Simon loves to trot out a stat on here about how every time we lose, we win the next game. And I mean, it's true, you know, these pat- patterns are patterns for a reason. Um, Unai Emery doesn't really let us lose two games in a row. So if we lose at Ajax, um, I, I really, well, I, I, you know, I don't <laughs> think it, I'm tempted to say, to be honest, that the most important game in this Ajax, in this two legged Ajax tie is the Spurs game that's in the middle mm-hmm. for many reasons, to be honest. Like I, I'm finding it a little bit, I have to say, since, since beating Luton, I'm finding it a little bit difficult to mentally focus on the first leg of the Ajax tie because my thoughts keep wandering to the Spurs game. Um, and I think, I actually think it's really good that we have the Spurs game in between the two legs because I think if you if you win at Ajax, you're high as a kite, you know, from winning away, uh, you know, a, okay, maybe a fallen European giant, but a European giant nonetheless, you know, you're riding high. If you get a draw, solid away result, you get to come back to Villa Park. If you lose, the way Unai Emery sees it is you have got the perfect opportunity to respond with a statement win against a top five rival. Um, I'd rather have Spurs on Sunday in between these two legs than I would have like Burnley at home, you know, or like a gimme game. Um, Because I think we've shown earlier in the season that we thrive on the on the two games a week kind of setup um and okay we haven't been in the like the run-in of a season is different but i think we've shown in numerous games and on several occasions already under emery that we handle pressure pretty well as a team so to be honest i'm kind of looking forward to see what what comes out of the next three games across all competitions um villa's ceiling is extremely high I'll put it that way, and I think if 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 a result doesn't go our way, it's just about having faith um, in the quality and the character of this team because all you can do is have faith because they've shown time and time again that they have it. Well, exactly, and I mean you do have to sit back and you look at it and you think. I mean, again, it's just forecasting and throwing things out there, but a positive result away at Ajax 
going into that Spurs result. I know you could say it's league form versus uh, knockout football form, but every, I mean, to be a prototypical pundit, every game now is, is a cup final. Um, it's just how Villa handle that. I mean, these next three games are obviously massive, but the next two, in my opinion, could be the most important in terms of how Villa progress. I know you could say the second leg is just as important, but I just think it's how Villa approach it from minute one. That's going to tell us a lot. And then going into that Spurs match on the weekend as well, where they've had more rest compared to Villa. And again, I mean, the, the obvious added bonus of just going ahead of myself a little bit of beating Spurs and then potentially United losing again. If there's a perfect world for that, I, I think top five is literally locked up at that point if it's not already. Not to be too egotistical because uh, I don't want to jinx Villa here. But regardless of that, I just wanted to throw that one out there but anyways let's get over to the twitter slash x polls of course so every uh i guess monday upload podcast you could call this we put out three questions for everyone that follows the holtcast pod on twitter slash x to vote on so of course you can find us at holtcast pod on that platform um eventually we should have it on facebook as well if i can actually <laughs> remember to put it up at the same time so the first question we just kept it pretty simple this week i know seb has strong opinions about the last one that's not a very serious question but firstly we asked will villa finish fourth or fifth maybe that's arrogance me just putting those two in there of course so i mean seb i'll get your opinion first fourth or fifth fourth fourth okay so, or not Simon, Jesus Christ, he's not even here. He's he's with us in spirit. Tom, how about you? <laughs> oh, ask me again next this time next week. Do you know what I mean? But um, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fifth because um I like to think we'll beat Ajax. I think we'll have divided loyalties for the rest of the season. And I'm gonna to be honest, part of the reason I'm saying fifth is because I'd be happy with fifth. I know that we're in fourth at the moment and we're in the driving seat. All I really give a shit about in terms of the league right now is the gap between us and Man United because we currently stand at about 80% likelihood that fifth is a Champions League spot. Um, all I really give a shit about is maintaining that gap ahead of Man United, whether that's right or wrong. I see fifth. Like, there's that whole joke about Arsenal seeing fourth as a trophy. Domestically, I see fifth as the trophy, to be honest, this year. Yeah, well, and I mean, factually, it is better than last season, so I will take that too. And finishing above United is just a, an added bonus on top of that very nice cake. Of course, 69.6% went with fourth, 30.4% went with fifth. Um, personally, I'm just going to go with fourth because to see Villa in the top four is something I will brag about for eternity just because of all the crap we have had to gone through over the last decade. Plus, next we asked, very simply... And I think this was a theme uh, last week as well. Who do you think will win the first leg of the round of 16 tie between Villa and Ajax this coming week? Of course, there's only two choices because there's only two teams, Ajax or Villa. Seb, where are you swinging on this one? See it probably ending up in a draw, but if you had to make me pick a team, I'd go for Villa. Fair enough. Tom, how about you? Same answer. Well, you know what? You are part of the brave majority. 86.4% of those voters went with Villa. 136 went with Ajax. Of course, I put a few, a couple different hashtags in there, so I don't know if we got some Ajax fans voting on that, or there's just pessimistic Villa fans, probably the latter on that one, because there's always the few. I know a few, few people tweeted in um, and also mentioned that they think it's going to be a draw, so they're sitting on the fence and very much, um, you know, it's, it's fair enough to do that at this point in time, because 
who the hell knows what's going to happen. And of course, the most serious of all questions that you could ever ask anybody, which is better, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? The inspiration from this came from me opening up a cupboard and panicking on what this question could be. First thing I saw was peanut butter. So of course, the options, like I said, are crunchy or smooth. Tom, which one do you prefer? Not really a big peanut butter guy, but if I had to have one, I'd go smooth. I feel like I don't really need that whole, that all that texture in my peanut butter. That's, <laughs> that's you know, that's for psychos. Smooth. Okay, Seb, slate this question. Fucking hate peanut butter. I can't stand it. It's, it's grim. It's Are you a disgusting. Marmite person? No, I, I haven't tried Marmite, to be fair. But peanut butter, peanut butter's rank. And, what, um, what do you hate about peanut butter? Ever, the taste, the smell, the... Every the color, everything it's awful, and also my, yeah, yeah. And all, my my girlfriend eats it with apples, and I, I yeah. feel like that's, yeah, that's really my wife, weird. yeah, nah, yeah, that's normal. I, do, you, do you like Reese's Pieces? Yeah, so you like peanut butter? No, <laughs> there's peanut butter in it, Sam. <laughs> yeah, but no, I also really like um, boost bars, and they have do they have it in? I don't know what a boost bar is, is that a yeah. UK thing? You don't get boosts over here, yeah. Do you not? No. no. I remember I remember them, but you don't get them. I haven't seen one in about 10 years. I think they have peanut butter in, but it doesn't matter because I don't like peanut butter. So end, end of topic, end of question. I'm right, you're wrong. Move on. Did, did the UK have, oh, Henry bars? No. No, okay. Well, they have... I think I, I think they're pretty similar. I think yeah. they're basically the same thing, yeah. Okay, well, Seb's that sick person that probably like picks up the peanut butter or something just to get to the chocolate but anyways let's get over to this so you know hence hence me getting a yellow card for saying i think you've had juggling balls for christmas and of course it's everyone's favorite time of this awesome podcast that we do every single week it's dean smith's juggling six so this one, of course, is Luca Dean themed. So I hope the guys are ready for this one. And I, I do apologize if it's tricky because it's going to be tricky and it is what it is. Of course, he got the winner against Luton Town on the Saturday. So why not make him the man of the moment for this one? So with over 300, well over 300 senior appearances across his career, technically he has played for seven clubs. There's a little bit of a trick to that one. But I want you guys to name six of the seven. And I will give you three lives for this as a team. He's played for seven clubs. Oh, um, maybe it's not difficult. I can name four, I think. Okay, well, there's a there's a technicality to it, but technically it's seven. But you only need six, so it shouldn't really matter. But anyways, start listing them off and I will start checking them off. Can I go first? Well, you're, you're a team, so work together. Teamwork is, makes the dream work. Okay, well, I'll knock out Villa. Correct. Yeah. Everton. Correct. Barcelona. Correct. Paris Saint-Germain. Correct. There's There's another one in France. I will give you that hint. Is that like start of career? Yes. Ah, ah. Technically, there's two in France, but they're closely related. I'm not 100% sure. So can I go for a team that he was on loan at first? Sure. Roma. Roma? Correct. The way you're looking at the screen makes me think you popped this up, but that is, I, I'm just going to... Are, are you accusing me of cheating, Cole? I wouldn't put it past you there, Coach said. But anyways, that is correct. That is that is bold. Hotcast turns nasty. <laughs> Roma, is a, Roma is a great shout. Yes. I wouldn't. I would never have got that. I don't know the team in France, so no, I, I got no fucking idea. You have three lives, so <laughs> you can just start going through them. Is it a good... 
Is it? It can has you give been. Us... It has been. Okay. Um, not Marseille then, I assume. Eh. So there's one life gone. Yeah. Uh, uh, if I said another player that's played for them, you'd get it right away, so I can't say it. Ah, oh, wait. Hold on. By that logic, Tom, let's let's just quickly intervene here. By that logic, because it's the two of you here. Oh, Canadian. I'm going to assume he's going for a Canadian player. I'm assuming he's going to go for Jonathan David. So did he play for Lille? So he did. Out. That's not even what I was going to say. I was going to say Hazard. But anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> we out we out logic to you on your own clue. <laughs> so technically, of course, he started his career at Lille, but he also played... It's counting senior appearances for Leal B as well. Um, what? Isn't that yeah. just like their under-21 score? Apparently it was counting senior caps, at least on this uh, website. So that's no. why I said technically. That's so bullshit. That is nothing. Well, anyways, you got six out of the six then in that case anyways. So you only wasted one life. So well That's very fucking guys. impressive, that, isn't well it? Done, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I, only, I only thought of that last night, to be honest. I started panicking. So uh, thank you, Luca Dean, for that awesome question that's good i think that's credit goes to seb there because like when i played it with simon the other week i got the i just get the easy ones <laughs> I, honestly i didn't think <laughs> let my other guests to get the hard ones i didn't think anyone was gonna team get work, wrong. Team work, team work. but first and foremost i do want to mention if anyone has gotten this far which i'm sure there are quite a few because some people do actually tell us that they do get this far if you want to email us or tweet us tweet us at holtcast pod or email in holtcast at gmail dot com you can send in your suggestions for dean smith juggling six and we will have a go at one of your suggestions and see if these guys are up to the stuff of other people's uh, questions opinions and all that fun stuff but anyways let's wrap things up there guys thank you very much to seb and tom for joining me of course you can find seb on twitter slash x at sebastian bacon eight you can find tom on there as well at td nightingale find me on there too talk aston villain of course tweet the team at holtcast pod and like i said before email the holtcast at holtcast at gmail.com we should be back right after the conference league first leg match against ix i don't know if that'll be on the friday if we'll just do a twitter spaces we'll we'll figure that out in the near future of course follow us on the socials and on facebook as well that one's still under 7500 holt to uh, see what we're doing in regards to that but anyways we'll leave things there we'll be back soon and don't forget uh, the we're going up we're going up Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.